pelvic floor issues can strike anyone at any age. However, for relatively obvious uh, reasons, women postpartum are going to experience this at a much higher rate. When we look at the data, a lot of it suggests that at about the six-month mark, you should be approaching a return to your baseline activities, assuming that there's been no extenuating circumstances that have occurred for you. It's obviously a lot of time it takes to get there and a lot of things that could go uh, askew along the road. So the question is, do you have the right team in your corner to help you reach that goal and get back to all of your previous activities? Welcome to Therapists in Motion podcast, brought to you by Spooner Physical Therapy. Welcome back to Therapists in Motion podcast. This is Paul Guyano, and I am joined today by Dan Mariofsky, Sarah Guyano, and our special guest today, Dr. Allison Srikandi. Thank you all for being here. Thanks for having us. So, Dr. Srikandi, I just want to go and give you a chance to tell us a little bit about yourself, your practice, and some of the philosophies that you've built the practice upon. Great. So, my name is Dr. Allison Srikandi. I am the co-founder, along with my husband, uh, Dr. Gautam Srikandi, of Pelvic Rehabilitation Medicine. And we are physiatrists, otherwise known as rehab docs. And really, we work to rehabilitate the pelvis. Um, along with pelvic floor physical therapists. And we see predominantly pelvic floor muscle dysfunction as well as chronic pelvic pain in men and women. And at, at this point, we have multiple locations across the United States um, in Manhattan, New Jersey, D.C., Miami, Detroit, Dallas, Houston, Chicago, and Atlanta. That's awesome. Um, and Dr. Shikandi, I know looking at your website, you talk a lot about um, really appreciating the muscle firing patterns and doing a lot of neuromuscular reeducation, looking at uh, pain science, the central system, peripheral system. I, I, for one, just want to say I really appreciate your awareness of that, you know, as physical therapists, we deal with that a lot. Um, but what are your thoughts on what's the important component of treatment when it comes to that reprogramming uh, muscular firing patterns for your patients? Yeah, no, essentially our, you know, our program, um, for what we see is hypertonic pelvic floor. So there's kind of two subsets, the hypotonic where the muscles are really kind of lax and loose. And then we see the hypertonic where the muscles are short, spastic, and still weaker. So they're still weak, but they're in spasm. So conceptually, what we're trying to do is first uh, really release the pelvic floor musculature, the spasm there, as well as calm down the nerves, both the central and peripheral nervous systems, um, and really decrease inflammation and calm them down. That's the first about six weeks is what we do to how we treat patients. And then after that, we prescribe what we call a neuromuscular re-education program to really get the muscles and nerves talking again and get that core uh, firing and that core stability back, supporting both the hips and the lumbar sacral spine and the sacroiliac joint, and also all those organs that the pelvic floor sling is trying to hold up. But conceptually, that's what we do. First, you have to kind of downtrain, we call it, and then when the patients are ready, then you can start the proper neuromuscular re-education program. But it's all about timing. I, I love it. That's absolutely awesome. And music to my ears, too. I love to hear that information. And it's so important for people to understand that whole process. Um, and also looking, too, it looks like you have a lot of different health professionals you work with. You talk about the down-training physical therapists can assist with that. But who all do you incorporate in the care of the individuals that are at your practice? 
Yeah, other than, so, um, you know, as rehab doctors, we really are used to that, you know, multidisciplinary or actually even more of an interdisciplinary approach where we really have a strong um, uh, conversations with other special specialists where we really decide how we're going to build our team based on how the, the patient presents. Um, as I mentioned, we always work with pelvic floor physical therapy, but sometimes, you know, we have to bring in other specialists in addition to the rehab, depending if it's more of a gynecological underlying issue that may be the primary pain generator for our patient, or it's more of the GI gastro uh, system or the uh, urology system, or um, it sometimes is a hernia or ortho hip surgeon that we bring in. So it really depends on on the patient presenting um, symptoms and our history and physical and our workup. But we really do try to build a team based on our working uh, differential diagnosis. So we, we really work hard not to just blindly treat our patients, uh, but to really understand, you know, why, they're, why their symptoms are what they are. That's awesome. I really appreciate you having that perspective and knowing who your resources are. It's kind of like you're the quarterback of their care and you like bring in all the different teammates as they're needed, which is really awesome. Um, another yeah, quick no, question. That's what yeah, that's what we're trying to do. That's, that's exactly right. We're trying to kind of quarterback their care and, you know, work with the best team to get them better. I think that's so important because I feel like sometimes with my patients that I see, they're coming just from one type of a doctor and they don't know who the other resources are that are out there and we're trying to connect the dots for them. And so I thoroughly appreciate you kind of kickstarting that and really leading the way and being the center of the resources for the patients. It helps them a lot, I'm sure. <laughs> Well, and, you know, I mean, to echo that, as we alluded to in, in show prep, you know, I was podcasting with another physician, you know, last month, and that was the integrative component of his discussion was, I can't do this alone. And knowing who all is involved in the care team and facilitating and encouraging and almost expecting that conversation is so important. And when you do that with the patient at the center and focusing on the patient's goals, the power behind that is so much more than I think all of us probably truly realize. And the most important thing in the long run is it's the maximal benefit then for the patient. So again, I can't, like Paul and Sarah said, thank you enough for spearheading that in speaking to that and preaching that and living that every single day in your practice, you know, with the rest of your providers, your patients and that care team that you have. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I always, I joke, the more experience you have in, in this pelvic, pelvic pain and pelvic floor world, the more you realize you definitely cannot do it on your own. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's so important to kind of understand that and it, it, it takes a village. So the most obvious patient for like pelvic floor therapy, I think to start out is uh, someone who's postpartum. So what capacity are you seeing postpartum patients show up in your practice and what time frame you're seeing them? Kind of give me a little background on that. Sure. I mean, conceptually, what's, what we are always trying to do is really, really prevent that transition 
into the chronic pain cycle. Um, because once patients are in it, uh, it's, it's a lot more challenging to really get them out of it. Um, so, you know, the timing we see, gosh, really as soon as two, two months or eight weeks postpartum, some OBGYNs will send to us then as long as 10, 11 years. <laughs> so we really see across the board just depending on, you know, when the patient's able to kind of get to us and find us. Um, so we'll really see everything. Um, and, and the way we kind of separate it out, um, as we had mentioned earlier, we see the hypertonic uh, patients, but we really se- separate it out into there's really the chronic pelvic pain patients um, who then kind of have two different buckets. One is more pelvic floor muscle dysfunction, um, where, they'll, where they'll have pain with intercourse, um, a, lot, a lot of bladder uh, urgency, frequency, sometimes urgent continence with that, and a lot of uh, bowel issues, a lot of chronic uh, constipation, straining, and sometimes pain or discomfort with bowel movement. So that's kind of that pelvic floor sling, which is a short, spastic, and weaker. And then we also have the pelvic girdle pain patients who will present more with either um, pubic symphysis discomfort or sacroiliac joint pain, SI joint, which sometimes they think is their low back pain, but it's a lot of times their SI joint. Coccyx pain as well is very common in our postpartum patients. And then we also see some female orgasmic disorders where they have, they're complaining of sexual dysfunction and um, decreased ability to reach orgasm. Um, after uh, vaginal deliveries. So th- those are kind of the, ga- the gamut of what we see and treat. I, I, I mean, I, we see all of that in all those patients. So I, that's huge to address that, especially early on before it kind of spirals into that chronic phase. So I, I have a question that, Sarah, you can answer as well as you, Doc. At, at what point... Is it appropriate for our general outpatient physical therapist that perhaps doesn't have the special training in the pelvic floor to become sleuths and detectives? And what questions would you recommend they ask and follow-up questions to help gear them towards getting to a physician like yourself and your team doc and or specifically to a pelvic floor therapist? Yeah, great question. I usually say um, any issues uh, along the sling, so um, from the pubic symphysis in the front to um, bladder urgency frequency, um, intercourse issues, soreness post-intercourse pain during, uh, any bowel issues, any complaints of coccyx pain or coccydinia, um, classically all kind of worse with, with sitting. Um, and uh, those, are, those are the questions, the screening questions that even when you're seeing a patient postpartum for low back pain, um, I would love if, you know, a physical therapist were, were asking those screening questions because, you know, there has been several studies showing the high incidence of pelvic floor muscle dysfunction even in low back pain patients. So I think that it is an, important to kind of ask those questions and then, you know, get, get patients to the specialists that could kind of help with those particular symptoms. Thank you for saying that because I feel like I've been telling all my ortho colleagues that if they have a female who is postpartum, that they need to be screening out these more pelvic specific questions because a lot of the things you mentioned sound a lot like orthopedic complaints. 
Well, not to mention, too, and hopefully people have heard us talk about this before, but if we have anyone listening for the first time, welcome. And also, like Doc was saying, there's a lot of issues that are connected and can disguise themselves. They can sound like ortho. A lot of your typical ortho patients have these problems. And we also know that inappropriate muscle firing patterns on the pelvic floor inhibits appropriate core stability. It inhibits appropriate strength. So you could train your patients as long and as hard as you want to. You might not reach the right level if you're not addressing all the underlying factors. So it is huge to recognize these things, get the rest of the team involved, and then give your patient the best outcome they can possibly have. Well stated. Completely agree. (laughs) Completely agree. I do want to ask something specifically. You kind of touched on this, but I I hear all the time the – I shouldn't say the complaint, but the report of, yes, you know, I, I, I leak a little bit when I sneeze or cough, but I'm a 40-year-old woman who's had two children. It's just, it, it happens. I, I feel like commonality has become acceptability here. So when you hear something like that, or if, what would you tell a therapist to try to help promote these patients to take control of their care and do the right thing for themselves to potentially prevent becoming that chronic pain patient down the line? Yeah, no, I, I just think... You know, earlier, the earlier the better. I mean, usually our biggest challenge getting patients better is the chronicity. You know, it's just, oh, it's been going on for five plus years. Okay, we can get you there. It's just going to, you know, it's a little more work. Um, so we get very excited when, you know, we get patients um, a year and under, honestly, because um, it's usually a lot easier to, to reverse and to really to reset and um, to get them better. So I definitely would promote, this, like you said, the screening questions and kind of urging them that, you know, they don't have to live like this. It's, you know, it's, it's sad that, you know, I think because as women, we didn't realize there was any other option. So when that happened, you just, you were, you just learned to live with it. And, oh, my mom had it, my grandmom had it, and that's just what happened. That's what they tell me. So, but no, you don't have to live with it. There are, you know, treatment options, non-operative treatment options. Um, and yeah, you can, um, get, get help and you don't have to kind of pee when you cough or limit your exercise. You know, I hear a lot of moms, you know, I can't go for a run or I can't jump on the, you know, trampoline with my child, but uh, that's fine, you know, but no, it's not okay. And you can get your quality of life back. You know, you just have to see a specialist. And, um, one that really gets me, I, you know, bothered is when, you know, patients kind of live with pain within their course, you know, that, that's, that's a tough one. So I, I would urge any physical therapist or patient to really seek a, a specialist help on, on any of these issues. Absolutely. I know. I think a lot of people just think because they've gone through childbirth or multiple surgeries to the pelvic region that like, oh, this is just what I have to experience and live with. It's just a part of the muscles adapting to the traumas that my body has had. And it's, it's, sometimes a challenge to get them to realize that they just, yes, that may be what happened to them, but they don't have to live with it. And there is multiple options that can help them get better. So my next thought was, okay, I have a patient. I'm working on some of the things that I can as a physical therapist work with them and I'm ready to refer them out to you. What are some diagnostics that you would want to run or look into or some things that we could tell our patients to be prepared for? Yeah, so um, it really it depends on, again, the patient and the chronicity of the symptoms. But, yeah, I would be, be prepared. We do a standard uh, neuromuscular exam. Um, really, we're evaluating patients' gait and their lumbar sacral spine and their abdomen and their hips. 
so a standard kind of rehab outpatient exam, but we are also doing an in, in, internal um, pelvic floor exam in addition, and we look, we actually uh, evaluate patients internal vaginally and, and rectally, particularly if there's coccidinia. Um, so we really try to get a full kind of uh, feel for how the pelvic floor muscles and nerves internally are doing. Um, so that would kind of be a different aspect. Um, and we're really looking at the muscles and the nerves. We're not gynecologists, so there's no speculum. It really is kind of a muscle nerve exam. Um, That's and awesome. In terms of, yeah, and in terms of workup, really, again, it depends. Sometimes it, uh, we would um, get the – it is more of a clinical diagnosis, as you, you all know. So we can – the history and, and the exam and physical uh, exam are – you know, 90% of what we need to, to get there, really. Um, just listening to a patient, we can almost know what, what it's going to look like internally and externally uh, on the exam. Um, but sometimes we will order imaging to confirm our suspicion, um, and it depends. So, you know, sometimes we'll order imaging of, of, of the hip if we think there's some sort of impingement, cam a printer with a labral tear um, c- contributing, um, or we'll order an MRI Pelvis. For the females, a lot of times we'll get contrast um, in that to look for any underlying gynecological disorders that quite often coexist with hypertonic pelvic floors. So looking for any under- underlying adenomyosis or, you know, endometriosis is challenging to find on MRI, but sometimes you'll see an endometrioma or PCOS. So we'll look for that if we need it. Um, and sometimes we'll order uh, MRI, we call a pubalgia protocol, particularly for our male patients, because we see quite a bit of a hip hernia combination in our men, um, where we're looking, pubalgia protocol just means when they're doing the MRI, they have patients do the Valsalva maneuver, so they're kind of bearing down to have any potential hernias pop out, to really look for hernias for, for particularly, like I said, our male patients. And also, we may order a lumbar spine, if we think there's a potential of some sort of what we call a radiculopathy where the nerves are being pinched a little bit that could be irritating distally further down, the S2, S3, S4, and or looking at the coccyx. Once in a while, we'll get x-rays to look at the coccyx to look to see if the coccyx is um, what we call, you know, bent a little bit. Sometimes we'll get those flamingo x-rays, um, particularly if there was some sort of trauma to the coccyx. But so that would be the, the standard workup we would consider. But quite often, we don't, you know, it just depends. If it hasn't been going on that long and we got a lot of information from the history and exam, sometimes we'll just treat patients, get them better, uh, and then just not have to image. So it really depends on the severity of the, the pain and the chronicity of how long the symptoms have been going on. You touched on some common diagnoses that often have a pelvic floor component to them, you know, labral tears, et cetera. And then you mentioned some things male-specific. And I, I do want to take uh, a moment to talk about that for a, a minute here. Looking at male patients, because as you said, you do have a good number of men as well that have pelvic floor issues, are there certain diagnoses or certain questions we might not typically think of that are, apply a little bit more to the male um, that we could help to determine who needs to go see you or, again, common medical diagnoses they would experience where pelvic floor is often a component of the treatment? Yeah, I mean, for for men, quite often our men come having been diagnosed with chronic prostatitis, seen a urologist and had multiple, you know, antibiotics and NSAIDs, which, you know, haven't helped a little but didn't last. So that would be our classic male patient. And, you know, some quite often there is, uh, uh, hip and hernia uh, musculoskeletal pathology that could be contributing to irritating the muscles and nerves and really decreasing the space for the nerves to flow, essentially. So, 
I like it. I also I have to circle back because you talked about the coccyx and previous injuries there. And it, it's funny, we've had podcasts that I think are dedicated solely to the treatment of the coccyx, something I never thought I'd care about when I was in PT school and <laughs> quickly realized it's essential <laughs> for a lot of patients for appropriate treatment. Um, but talk for a minute about the coccyx, why it's an important thing to treat and why previous injuries, even many years ago, can crop up and be a huge piece of pelvic floor or other presentations for patients. Yeah, I mean, if you think of the pelvic floor sling in the front and uh, the pubic symphysis, and then it goes all the way uh, underneath to the to the coccyx in the back, um, it really is kind of where the pelvic floor is anchored into, and it's really it's really the ligament, that sacrococcygeal ligament, that can cause some pain and discomfort when it's either being pulled in one direction or the other, you know, to the right or the left, or it's being pulled kind of underneath um, and hooking. So it can cause some pain and discomfort when patients are sitting. So it really is important to to to, to recognize uh, what's going on, and then also pelvic floor physical therapy with the internal rectal mobilization really can make a world of difference for these patients. And then we quite often prescribe uh, suppositories for our pelvic floor patients. So if if we we do note it's more of a posterior issue, we'll ask patients to take on the muscle relaxer suppositories rectally rather rather than vaginally because it can really help them get better faster. So we're all smiling over here. I know you can't see us, but we're all smiling over here because some of our training through the Institute of Physical Art and Greg and uh, Vicki Johnson and then their son, Ryan, who's actually in New York City, we've we've all extensively been trained by them on the treatment of the coccyx and understanding when it's hyperflexed versus extended versus rotated versus side bent. So the fact that you just reaffirmed that again, it's huge for us. And it's something that we've preached to our staff here at Spooner Physical Therapy. We've talked about it on our podcast with Greg and Ryan here previously. And I think it's one of those structures just like the, the pelvic floor was for so long, it was kind of a taboo thing that, that didn't want to be spoken about, right? And I think that's where you and your practice has made such a difference because you're out there trying to say, look, you don't have to deal with this. It doesn't have to be chronic in nature. Let's get to it before it comes a, a substantial issue and you don't have to live with urinary urinary leakage you don't have to deal with pain with intercourse or pain with a bowel movement just like you don't have to live with pain sitting right and i think that's one of those things that so many therapists and i would garner a lot of other medical physicians don't realize the power that the coccyx truly has on our our function whether it's the pelvic floor or low back pain or dural symptoms that Treating the coccyx is something that is important and necessary, definitely in postpartum women. I remember when my wife had, I don't remember if it was our first or second child, she couldn't sit like 10 days afterwards. And I was really nervous to mobilize her coccyx. And one of my colleagues was like, just do it. I guarantee you she's going to feel better. And I mobilized her coccyx. She was hyperextended and for lack of a better word, popped it back into place. And all of a sudden she was like, oh my gosh, that's so much better, right? So the power of the coccyx is unbelievable. Completely agree. Yeah, if you, yeah. If just think about you know the the, the nerve root connection and, and pulling and that dural tension. You know, it's not going to be comfortable if if it's not properly released and aligned. I've been starting to check it on pretty much all of my pain patients and 
like more of the pelvic floor weakness patients. I've kind of just been checking in on all of them where even if they don't really have direct coccyx complaints because of that pull and irritation on the neurological system can really like hypersensitize everything that's going on. And it's been making a huge difference. And even a little like improvement with headache complaints. And I would be so proud of you. I know. <laughs> I've come a long ways. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love when I'm always asking patients, do they, do they evaluate your, your rectally as well? Because <laughs> I just know, or I'm like, please ask them to treat you rectally too, you know, because it really just, you need to treat the entire length of the pelvic floor. Absolutely. And we've actually learned a lot of external assessment features of the coccyx too. So like be- between yep. external mm-hmm. palpations and internal, you can like help people out so much. Yes. No, definitely. Yes. I've been on the patient side too. So I, yes, I do. The external also helps quite a bit. Makes a big difference. Okay. So what would be your takeaway message to physical therapists working with people who maybe have chronic pain complaints or their postpartum? Like what would be a message to help get these patients better care quicker? Yeah, I mean, the data says really at six months postpartum, that's when, you know, you should be back to your baseline. And that's kind of when, you know, that's when things should start to be where they were before. So I I always promote patients getting into pelvic floor physical therapy at about eight weeks postpartum. And then at six months, if you, you know, at that point, if, if your patients have either plateaued or you've gotten them, you know, 60% better, but they're still having some discomfort with sitting or some bladder issues, then I would urge the uh, physical therapist to ask patients to see a physiatrist or a rehab doc to see if there's anything else, you know, that could be done. Awesome. I think that's a really good recommendation. Do you think it is... How important do you find that if we're going to look for a physiatrist or rehab doc that they really are focusing more like you are, which I know is a unique specialty and we don't have that everywhere, but how important is it for us to find a physician that is specializing more in the pelvic pain world? Uh, yeah, I would say, yeah, um, it's, it's extremely important. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just because no one, a physiatrist, a standard physiatrist wouldn't ever do an internal, uh, vaginal exam or rectal exam. They would never do that aspect of it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think maybe you'd have a couple more options if it was purely, uh, coccidinia, you know? Yes. Uh, but any of the other stuff, bladder, bowel, or intercourse, yeah, I don't think you could send to a standard physiatrist. We just don't have the training in it. It's kind of a newer field, but, you know, we're building and growing pretty rapidly, so. I hope, you know, they'll come, someone will come your way soon. I was going to say, I think our Phoenix market has room for some growth. So if you need an idea. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I love all the information being shared. Thank you so much, Dr. Shikandi, for joining us today and, and sharing some of your wisdom, some of your expertise. And hopefully everyone's taken away something they can take back to the clinic and help patients, male and female, get the care that they need to get back to all the activities. Like you've said, it's so important to get people in early, get them to the right individual. But even if they're not there early, you don't have to live with these symptoms. You don't have to deal with these symptoms. So it's just reassuring to know that there are people out there that can be resources to guide patients 
organizations through a challenging and unfortunately sometimes still taboo in certain places issue that really shouldn't be, really should be comfortable to talk about and comfortably to discuss. So as we wrap up, I just want to ask, is there anything else you would like to share with us? No, thank you so much for having me. I think that it's great what you're doing and uh, raising, you know, awareness. And um, I completely agree that the key is that we need we need to talk about it and and know that we're not the only ones kind of suffering from these symptoms. And you know, six to eleven percent of women have chronic, you know, postpartum pelvic floor dysfunction and pelvic pain. So that means chronic means greater than six months duration. So it's very very common, and you're not the only one. Speak up and um, be your own advocate and um, keep finding someone who can who can help get you better because there are amazing specialists out there. And there is a lot of power behind that. Like you said, if you're looking at 6 11% are chronic, I mean, that means that a lot of individuals have people out there suffering the same things as them. So there's power to let them know they're not alone and they have people that can help. So thank you again. And anyone listening, you know, if you have any questions or thoughts, please reach out to us at the Therapist in Motion. Uh, at SpoonerPT.com. And thank you all for listening.